we are continuing our series in the book of Luke today, and we are going to be looking at the sending of the 72 in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 20. Uh, I think the scripture, yes, it will be, will be behind me. It's something to get used to. Um, <laughs> but I, I just want to do a, a quick callback to when we started this sermon series in the very beginning. I mean, we're going to look at Luke chapter 4, which was like, granted, three months into our sermon series, maybe more. Uh, but it was when Jesus first comes onto the scene for his ministry, and he comes out of the wilderness, and the famous tempting from Jesus, the enemy comes and tempts Jesus three times, and then Jesus comes out of that, he gets baptized, the Spirit of the Lord descends upon him, and he is ready to start his ministry. And the first thing he does is he goes to the synagogue, he opens the scroll of Isaiah, and in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yes, and then what happens after that is we see Jesus do this, over and over and over again. Everything that he says here, he actually does have blind people see. We see people who are oppressed by the enemy that he gives them liberty. We see that he came, he said he came to set the captives free. He does that. He proclaims to those who are oppressed the day of oppression is over. And then this last week, we saw this pivotal turn in Jesus's ministry where he sets his face, the scripture says, towards Jerusalem. And so there's a change in his ministry. And he tells people that want to follow him or people that need to follow him that they are to do this. If they are to follow him, they are to leave everything behind and that it is going to be a hard work ahead of them. And when somebody gives him a good excuse, Jesus says, there is no excuse. Go and proclaim the kingdom. And so in this passage that we're reading today, Jesus sends out his people in this new phase of his ministry, this thing, his mission that he came to do that we read about in Luke chapter 4, no longer is just his mission to do, but the mission now of all of his disciples. And so let's read about this commissioning of his disciples to go out, starting in verse 1, chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest with him. But if not, it will return to you. And, it, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. 
I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The word of the Lord. There is so much in this passage. I can preach 30 different sermons for the next 30 weeks, and we would still be feasting here. But what I sense a word of the Lord is for our church is for us to understand the power of the mission that God has called us to live by. There's something that happens here in this passage that is crazy, and it is that the fall of Satan that we see in this passage is connected to mission. Before the cross, before the resurrection, before that happens in Jesus's ministry, the first thing that is linked to Satan's fall was the mission of the disciples to go out. Going out and proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is near. This is crazy, and we're going to talk about why. In verse, 70, in verse 17, it says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, if you grew up in church like me, you may have heard this statement connected to the fall in Genesis, uh, where uh, you... You know, you believe that Satan was cast out and then he, he shows up as a snake in the garden. We're not going to get into all of that, uh, but generally that is a, a taking of what we just did, the cherry pick sermons for the last month and a half that's taking this verse and creating a whole theology around it. But if you look at this verse within the context of what we are reading here, something beautiful is happening. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness... What is the third temptation? Satan takes him to the pinnacle of the town and he shows Jesus the nations. And he says, if you just bow down to me, Jesus, I will give you all of these nations. All you have to do is bow. Jesus, of course, does not bow. Instead, he quotes Deuteronomy and he causes Satan to flee. See, what Jesus knew and what Satan knew was that in a matter of time, Satan's time was up. His rulership, his prince of the earth, prince of the power of the air, as he's called in scripture, the adversary, the Satan, he was no longer going to be able to rule like he used to. 
In fact, the kingdom of God now was invading the earth in a new way so that the kingdoms of darkness were going to have to flee, were going to collapse. And so Satan ruling, offering this all to Jesus, offering him the kingdoms. Now, as the 72 disciples go out, what does Jesus say to the disciples? He says, I saw Satan dethroned before my very eyes that his power was destroyed. He fell, meaning that all the power, the authority that he had over all the towns that you were going to was taken from him. He had now fallen. See, church, if we are not doing mission, Satan is not falling from our city. Do you understand that when Paul later on, he says that there are principalities and rulers and authorities that we contend against in the natural and in the spiritual, things that we cannot see with our eyes, but things that we know are there. We call that spiritual warfare. And oftentimes our spiritual warfare is just limited to our heart and to our person. But what we need to realize is that when Jesus calls us to go and proclaim the kingdom and he gives us all authority and all power to tread on serpents and scorpions, which were symbols of the demonic realm and symbols of evil spiritual forces, what he is saying is, I have called you on the offense. I have called you now to go out and dethrone the powers of Satan, the powers of evil over cities, over towns, over people groups for his authority, his power will be stripped, what? In the proclaiming of the gospel, in the proclaiming of the kingdom of God. This is our job, church. If we are not on mission, then Satan's kingdom is not being thwarted. We have regulated our spiritual warfare to this couple of cubic inches in our hearts. And we have forgotten about the world outside of the walls. And many of us have given the world over to Satan when Jesus said, no, we are taking the world back from Satan. It is not his. It was not supposed to be his. And it is now our job to have authority to tread on him and to take territory back for the kingdom. See, the church is not made up of scared defenders. That is not who we are. But we are confident offenders. Do we understand that? The church is not to play defense in the spiritual warfare game. The church is not to hide inside some walls. The church is not to be scared in our bedrooms and pray in our prayer closets. No, the church is called to go out and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. This is our mission, church. Do you know why we don't have a mission statement as a church? If you've gone through membership, you know why. It is because Jesus clearly lays out our mission statement, that we are to go out into the world proclaiming the gospel, discipling every person in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to Peter, he says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you ever see 
that when an enemy invades another enemy, do they bring their walls and their gates to them? No. So if we are fighting at the gates of hell, that means that we are going to Satan's place. We are going to Satan's domain. We are going to the Satan's power stronghold. And we are going on the offense and we are saying, you no longer have power here. You no longer have dominion here. This is God's territory now. Every time we baptize somebody, we are expanding the kingdom of God. We are saying that this is one more person. This is that is joining into the temple, into the city of God. One more person coming into as a citizen into the kingdom of God. Church, the Bible says, Jesus says, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Too often we have this idea of the church as scared. Oh no, what if Satan attacks me? What if we encounter a devil? What if, what if this spiritual being, this evil spiritual being oppresses me and we get scared of these things? I think that, that oftentimes is because we haven't seen the power of the kingdom in our own life, that we don't realize the power of the kingdom that can have in other people's life. See, when I realize what Jesus has conquered in me, when I realize what Jesus has done in me and what the kingdom of God has meant in me were things I thought were surely impossible to be done, that Jesus said are impossible with man, but with him all things are possible. To see my salvation, when I think of what my mind used to be like, what my heart used to be like, when I think of what I used to do in my actions and I see what the kingdom of God and his dominion has meant in my life then I realize there is no devil in hell, there is no authority, there is no power that can come against our God. That when I go out, I am not scared of Satan, I am not scared of his minions, I am not scared of his rulership, I am not scared of his authority, I am not scared of his dominion. Why? Because God has equipped me with all authority, with all tools, with everything I need to go out Amen. and to share the mission of God. See, when we bring the kingdom of God, the other kingdom must go. Amen. Church, two kingdoms cannot coexist in the same place. See, the kingdom of darkness, some of us are very familiar with it. It is sickness. It is pain. It is disunity. It is bondage. It is oppression. These are the staples of the kingdom of darkness, of what sin has done and has racked our bodies and our minds in this world. And oftentimes we look at these things and we get worried. But that is the kingdom of darkness. But what does Jesus say? What the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of God that we bring. It is first, he says, healing. Jesus tells them when they go out, he says, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So often our theology of healing has just been for the church has just been for suffering or pain that we go through. And yes, 
God heals in that way. But you know what's interesting is that when people get sick in the New Testament, when Paul is on his journeys and somebody in the church gets sick, he says, pray for them. But when we see the miraculous, the healings of God happen over and over and over again, it is when they go into a new town and they go into a new territory and begin to proclaim the kingdom of God. And when all of the enemy flees, the miraculous, the healings are a sign that the kingdom of God has entered into that place. And we are so stuck using these gifts for ourselves, we have forgotten how our gifts are supposed to bless the world. That these gifts we see over and over and over again in the book of Acts are for us to go out, to be on mission, to proclaim the kingdom. He says it's peace in verse 6. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon you. But if not, it will return to you. Peace it, it, there's the power shown here that it can be given and it can be taken away. That when we come to a place, a sign of the kingdom of God coming to a place is the peace of God coming to that place. A sign of God in my life has been that beautiful verse, peace that surpasses understanding. Meaning my life is a wreck right now. My circumstances are a wreck right now. My job is a wreck right now but I have peace. Jesus sends them out with no extra sandal bag, no sandals, no extra tunic. He says, don't go to house to house, basically saying, don't be moochers because everybody's house, they'd have feasts and anybody can come in and eat. So he says, you get one house, go eat there. Don't, don't fill up on everybody else's house. But go eat, take what you have and no more. He's sending them out with a crazy scenario, but what will they have with them? Peace. We may be sent out and asked to do crazy things, but what will we have? We will have peace. And when we go, we have the authority to give peace and to take peace. That when people reject us, they're not rejecting us, Jesus says, they are rejecting him. Yes. Some of us take it so personally every time we get rejected by somebody. We have family members we won't talk to anymore, people that we haven't forgiven because when we got saved, they may have cut, of, cut us off or, or, or thought things about us or said things about us, and that's not it. We can't take it personally. They have rejected Christ. We mourn for them. We pray for them. Jesus says the kingdom brings judgment. In verse 12, he says, I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. When the kingdom comes, how we respond to it is important. And I think that should show how we present it is important. Yes. Jesus in another place says to be wise as serpent and as gentle as a dove. He says this, and Paul later puts it this way, not to add a stumbling block to the gospel. That when we preach, we should and we proclaim the gospel and we proclaim the kingdom of God, we should do it with wisdom and we should do it with gentleness. Yes. Not like the, the Westboro Baptists that they go to every place and they just put these signs that spew hate and, that, and that's what the media picks up. And so the church is only known for this, but when we go, we show another way. Always, 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 when people come in contact with the church that I know is the true body of Christ, what they say is, this is not what I thought it was. Yeah. 
Jesus, then they say, is not who I thought he was. I thought Jesus was all about this and all about that, but now I know him to be about this. When we proclaim the gospel, we should proclaim it with no stumbling block because how people receive it will be how they will be judged. It should be something we pray about earnestly and ask for wisdom from on high for. The truth is, church, we have the cure for all of our society's ailments. It is not more stuff. It is not a bigger house. It is not more money. It is Jesus, the healer and liberator from darkness. This is the answer. He is the one. We may think more money will solve my problems, but it will not solve our heart. We may think a relationship will solve my problems, but it will not solve our heart. We may think a bigger space will solve our problems, but it will not solve our heart. You can be depressed in a mansion. You can hate your life in marriage. God knows I've seen it over and over and over again. But Jesus, he is the one that fulfills. He is the one that brings contentment. He is the one that brings peace. Don't be shy when you are proclaiming the kingdom. There is nothing to apologize about. Do you understand that our friends, our family, people are hurting and in pain and we have the remedy for it? Anybody that knows me knows when I see a good show, I tell everybody about it. It's a great show. I want everybody to experience the goodness of that show with me so I can talk with them about it. And we can theorize and talk about the plot and what was good and what was bad or the cinematography or the photography, whatever it is. I love to talk about a good show. But some of us act like we have a bad savior. We're so scared. Always apologize. I'm sorry about talking. No. What we bring is the words of life. People may reject it. People may get mad at us, and that is fine. We have done our job. But our call, church, is to share the good news. Another topic, maybe for another day, oftentimes it hasn't become good news in our heart yet, and that's why we can't share it with others. Something that we need to reflect on. If, if it's obligatory news, if it's weighty news, if it's, if, it's, if it's burdensome news to you, to your everyday, to be with Jesus and to see his kingdom, then you need to experience the good news so that you can go tell everybody else what they're missing out on. See, church cannot be regulated to a building. That's why I try my hardest to tell my kids and others, I don't say I'm going to church on Sunday because it is not a place that we go to. I say I'm going to our church service because church is our people. If we stay in one church and one building, the method to bring God's kingdom will never happen. Church, we must go. 
Go into our jobs, go into our neighborhoods, go into the internet, go into the parks, go into the nations, into our family gatherings. We must go and proclaim. That is our job. That is our mission statement. That is what we are called to do. That is what we are supposed to do day in and day out. You don't need a church program. You don't need an event to go do it. You have been sent. Go. That's right. That's the piano behind me saying it. Church, don't wait for us to post something on the app that says evangelism on such and such day or, or mission on this day and that day. No, 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 no. Pray, God, how do I make my life missional? God, how do I make what I do missional? When I'm on the soccer field and talking to parents and I get a number, I think, how can I pray for this person? How do I make this missional? When I invite people over my house, I ask God, how do I bring you into this? How do I share the good news? Whenever I'm doing something, if we were on the courts on Thursday night, I met some people on the courts and I went back Friday night, last, uh, two nights ago to see if they were there. Why? Because I want to make everything I do missional. This is my job on earth. This is why I wake up in the morning. This is why I go to sleep and I still have breath the next day. It's not so I can pastor a church. It's not so that I can go to my job. It's not so that I can raise my family. It is to proclaim the kingdom of God. This is my job. This is my mission. I want to share a couple of stories. There are a few ways that I've seen some people in our church doing mission in really powerful ways that I love. And I'm gonna put a few people on the spot. I did not ask for their permission, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you guys mind if I share? I, wanna, I, I hung out with Michael and Melanie at the July 4th barbecue and just hearing the story of what God has done in their life has been amazing. Michael got baptized two months ago, I believe now. And if you were at the baptism, you heard his story of all the oppression that God freed him from and what God has brought liberty into his life. But what was really cool was hearing his girlfriend talk about how he is witnessing to all of his friends now and constantly sharing the gospel with them. And when they come for advice, his only advice that he can think of was Jesus is the answer. And we had a conversation about how do, how do I go street preaching? How do I go proclaim the kingdom of God? This, this is our mission. I love that. This is what we're called to do. I looked, uh, I looked up your TikTok, Melanie, and I love what I saw. Because we all know social media is out there. And there's nothing more. Now, you all don't know me, BC, before Christ. But I'll give you a little. One of my, my unsaved friends, when I, when I went A.D., when it was Anno Domini, when, when Jesus' kingdom came over Justin's body, I went and hung out with one of my friends, non-Christian, her and her mom, and I saw her mom smile, gave her a hug, see how she's doing. She just looked at me and she said, Justin, something is different about you. And I said, yeah, God got a hold of my life, and I, I, don't, I don't know what visually cued you to that, but I can tell you I feel different, and that's what you're seeing. But nowadays... It's look at somebody's social media feed and you can see BC, AD, or maybe BC is gone, uh, which maybe need to be the case for some of us. <laughs> some archive posts. 
But I went on Melanie's TikTok and I just saw the gospel. And all the followers that you have accumulated in your life and now how you can share the gospel through that online is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I love to see it. And I don't think Jen is here, but me and Jen, um, I don't know if you know Jen and Ephraim in our church, she was sharing about a business that she is starting and how they've transformed their home into this open space so that they can do all these events. And already in the last few months, she's had two worship nights where she's invited all of her unsaved friends to come and experience a time to worship God in God's presence together. And we were discussing, we sat at City League for an hour and a half just talking about how to be wise and sharing the gospel with our friends and using whatever it is, our business, our space, our home, our time, and our life to be on mission for everything that we do. Church, you don't need a theological degree. You don't need a title in the church. You don't need a special ministry. You don't need a doctorate. You don't need to have spent 10,000 hours in the Bible. All you need is an encounter with Jesus that you can share with other people. If you don't have that encounter, you have nothing to share with them. But if you have that encounter, then you can tell somebody about the good news, the gospel of his kingdom, what he has done for you and what he can do for them. And then we are sent, church. Jesus said last week in 9 verse 60, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. We can give God the best excuse. It could even be that I lose my job. It could even be that I have to uproot what I'm doing. It could even be that I have to change my schedule, that I have obligations. But Jesus takes that great excuse familial obligations to this man in a tradition that said even his religion told him that this was more important than what Jesus is asking. And Jesus swats it aside and he says, the most important thing is to proclaim the kingdom of God. Church, this Tuesday, in two days from now, one of the beautiful things about having a building is we can do things in the middle of the week with a bigger crowd. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So resurrection, every first Tuesday of every month, they have corporate prayer. And I'll be leading that prayer this Tuesday. It starts at 7 o'clock. It will go to around 8 o'clock. And what we will be praying for is we will be praying for the harvest, the laborers for the harvest. As Jesus says here to do, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He doesn't say pray for the harvest, which is what a lot of us do. The harvest is there. He says, pray for laborers that will be willing to go out and do what needs to be done. And so my first call to action today will be who will go? Because I would like to pray a prayer commission over you. Who is going to rethink the mission of their life with me and think about how do we add mission to every component of our life? I want to pray with you. But then the second step is after going, this group that was going, is to pray for more people that will go. Will we pray for more people that will go and collect the harvest? 
God has been working on people's hearts. He's been working on people's minds. The Holy Spirit has already gone before us. The Holy Spirit has already been doing things. Other people have planted seeds. Maybe we're going to water, but God is doing something in our day and age. I don't care what stats say about Gen Z, about millennials, about boomers and their church attendance or the religion attendance. I know one thing that every generation for all of time has been hungry to experience God and his power because they've seen what the dominion of darkness has wreaked on their heart, on their family, on their country, and we are searching for the answer, for the good news, and we have that answer, church. And it is our job to proclaim the kingdom. I'm gonna invite the worship team up. If there, if you would say, send me, then I'm gonna ask you to stand right now. I wanna pray over you. Church, you see the people that are standing. I want us to pray over them. If you could stretch forth your hands towards them right now. Father, you hear and you see the laborers that are willing to go, that are willing to proclaim the kingdom, the good news. Every single one of you, in the name of Jesus, I commission you to go out with all power and all authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and to see the kingdom of God go forth. That today they will sense a release in their heart and in their minds to proclaim with confidence and boldness and courage as it says in Acts after they prayed in Acts chapter four to go and to proclaim the kingdom of God that their tongues would be free, that their minds would be free, and that Holy Spirit, that your unction, like it was on Jeremiah that he said it was fire shut up in his bones and he had to release it, that that unction would feel the same in them, that they would have to release the good news of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.